We all make choices about alcohol. Kids make choices whether to drink or not. Bye, Dad. Bye-bye. Remember, I'm going to Alex's party tonight and sleeping over. Yeah, have fun. Hey, Em. Remind me about that party again. And adults make choices whether to talk about it. That's true of parents and every other trusted adult in a kid's life. Kids want to know our expectations, and they want honest answers in everyday conversations. So talk with your kids and help lead them on a positive path. Because when you talk, they hear you. Would you like to work closer to home, save money on gas, and be rewarded for your hard work and attendance? Then Belicio Foods is looking for you. That's right, Belicio Foods is now hiring for multiple positions and shifts with great employee benefits, an on-site health clinic, competitive wages, and advancement opportunities. Belicio Foods is a company that truly values their employees. Apply online at BelicioFoods.com careers. Well, happy Friday, everyone, and welcome to the morning show right here on Main Street TV. And of course, it's a little bit different, but it's Friday, but our good friend Pete Wilson is here to do the morning news update. And of course, that's always brought to you by Nia Henry, agent for Appalachia Realty. And uh, if you have any real estate needs or questions, please give her a call, 740-418-4135. And Nia is always out and about working hard. Yes, she is. <laughs> that, that is that, a one hundred percent fact. That that is a <laughs> that that is a given, and anyone that knows her, um, yeah. doesn't have to be told. That's right. So, so Pete, um, it is a little different. It's Friday, mm-hmm. and um, but you are here, and you always have a mix of a little bit of good news and bad news. Sometimes we hope that it's more good than bad, but that's okay. Well, uh, the the goal is to always find some good news, uh, sure. e- even if there is a lot of bad news. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're kind of responsible for all of that. And, uh, and that's usually what happens. There is a mix. You are correct. So we will start uh, with kind of a story that is out of Columbus, but there are okay. certainly um, area and local um, connections to this story. Um, just, uh, of course, a lot of publicity uh, on national TV about, uh, you know, the uh, changeover of the Congress starting the year and the fact that the... <laughs> the, the debacle of... The- yeah, the, the majority Republicans can't... Uh, the, their uh, majority is so thin that because of some disagreement among the ranks on who ought to be speaker, they haven't <laughs> been able to name a speaker. Absolutely. Well, up in, Clum- crazy. up in Columbus at the beginning of every session of the General Assembly, mm-hmm. which happens in an odd-numbered year followed following uh, the November general election in even-numbered years, uh, they do the same thing. They, uh, you know, pick a uh, Senate president and they pick a Speaker of the House. Okay. Okay, a gentleman by the name of Robert Cup from Lima, he's a Republican, had been the Speaker of the House. He is no longer the Speaker of the House because he was term limited. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, that usually, the Speaker of the House usually does have some tenure. You know, that's how you get in an influential position to be able to be elected Speaker. Sure. So there's going to be a new Speaker. For sure, you know, it was bound to be a Republican because the Republicans have what they call a super majority okay. in the Ohio General Assembly, meaning it's more than two to one. Oh. All right. Okay. So uh, who is going to be the Speaker of the House? Well, surprise, surprise, uh, this was a shocker uh, to the veteran observers up in Columbus, the people uh, who are insiders and the media people as well. 
Jason Stevens, who is our state representative oh. from the 93rd district. There he is right nice. there. Nice. He is actually addressing um, the 135th, um, yeah, is it, yeah, it's the 135th session of the High General Assembly. It goes through two years, 2023 and 2024. This is him speaking shortly after he was elected by the House members. Now, even though the Republicans kind of control things, the Democrats vote on this too, just as they do in Washington. Everybody votes, yeah. but obviously the majority party is going to decide who the speaker is. The thing that throws uh, a wrench into the works is if the majority party is uh, unsure or they're split on who to pick. That's what happened in kind of that's what happened in Columbus. That's that's what happened back in Columbus. And uh, back in November, according to the statewide media, the Republican caucus had a private vote. Uh, it wasn't the official vote for speaker, but you know, with the supermajority, whoever they want is going to be the speaker. Okay. There was a gentleman by the name of Shane Marin from the Toledo area who had the great majority of the Republican support, more than two to one. Jason Stevens, who is our state representative, he's from Kitts Hill in Lawrence County. He okay. was interested in the appointment too, but uh, once again, a representative Marin had more than, uh, more, oh, nearly a three to one edge along mm -hmm. among the Republicans. So he's going to get picked on the first day of the General Assembly, which was last Tuesday, right? Mm -hmm. Well, here was the problem. All the Democrats voted for Jason Stevens, along with about 22 Republicans. Oh. So he actually uh, was elected by about an 11-vote uh, difference over Shane Marin. Marin had most of the Republicans, but Jason Stevens had all the Democrats, plus, 20, plus 22 of the Republicans. And so it has caused quite a stir in the political circles up in <laughs> Columbus. Uh, it, it's interesting and it's worth reporting, but especially so since Jason Stevens represents uh, our 93rd district. The 93rd district is, has Lawrence County in it. That is the uh, more populous county, the most populous county of the mm -hmm. three, Jackson County and Gallia County. Vinton County had been in the 93rd district, but they get that pencil out every 10 years and they change the districts because of shifts in population right. and because of, uh, you know, uh, the politicians trying to draw those districts so it's favorable to their party. Um, the Vinton County is now in the 92nd district, so Stevens no longer represents them. Now, when you are the Speaker of the House, uh, you have a lot of power. Yes. You decide who's going to uh, run committees. Uh, you, uh, have some in, you have some influence on funding decisions and the budget and et cetera. You are... Um, perhaps the number two person in state government power after the governor, okay. probably. On the legislative side, you're number one along with the Senate president. But uh, Jason Stevens has not been in the Ohio General Assembly very long. We roll the tape back to 2019. And remember, Ryan Smith had been the Speaker of the yes. House after um, the after another Speaker of the House who uh, was before him uh, had to leave over, over some uh, allegations that were... Some stuff happened. Right. So Ryan Smith was next in line, and uh, he got picked to finish out the term. When he went back in at the end of 2019 to be, be re-elected uh, among the House members as the uh, House Speaker for another two-year term, that's when Larry Householder... Uh, from Perry Township, mm -hmm. who had been a Speaker of the House 10 years before, maneuvered him, and he got a bunch of Democratic votes, mm -hmm. and he got elected Speaker over Ryan Smith. 
Later, Ryan Smith resigned later that year. I'm sure he yep. was unhappy with the way things went. And he was later, of course, became the president of the University of Rye Graham. Sure. And so, doing a fantastic job, by the way. Right. And, and <laughs> right. And of course, uh, you know, that's James in the background. Uh, I, I think I, I think uh, alluding to the problems that Larry Householder. The question had, was, what happened to Larry Householder? Right, well, <laughs> said James. well, Larry, Larry Householder has had to resign from uh, the Ohio House uh, over uh, bribery <laughs> allegations over uh, how some legislation was handled uh -huh. and uh, where money went <laughs> uh, for. Uh, for a uh, for a, for a power company up on the north side mm -hmm. that was dressed up as something that would be good for everybody, but supposedly uh, some bribery money. That's another story. Yeah. But Whole anyway, Jason Stevens had, had only been in there since 2019. He was appointed to serve out the unexpired term when Ryan Smith resigned. Correct. He was then elected to a full two-year term um, in uh, 2020. And then again in 2022, just mm -hmm. last November, he was not opposed. So here's the deal. Uh, Jason Stevens has, uh, has a bunch of time left. A lot of times the Speaker of the House serves one term and then he's term limited because you're only allowed to serve four two-year terms, a total of eight years, provided right. you can get elected in your district. So if he is able to keep people in line and please enough of the Republicans or the total House members, he could be Speaker of the House for six years. Yeah, a total, a total of six years, I guess, yeah. counting the current term because he had only been elected one other time. Mm -hmm. So um, we will see what happens there. But uh, Mr. Marin uh, was unhappy. He was quoted uh, in a story that was on Cleveland.com. Uh, that he feels that uh, Stevens took advantage of the situation when Marin's father passed away late in the year and Marin had to be involved in, you know, taking care of his father's funeral and burial and like that. But, okay. you know, this is when it happens at the end of the year and the beginning gotcha. of the year. And um, some of the Republicans are unhappy uh, because they feel that a Democrat, Democrats basically put a Republican in, not the Republicans. But, you know, they have just as much right to vote you know, on the, on the Speaker of the <laughs> I mean, House, too. Isn't this kind of how it's supposed to work, Pete? That what? That everybody gets to vote and then... Well, the, the Democrats... Alice, not in, pol in the political world, but it's how it should Allison, work in our world. Right. Alison Russo, who is a Democrat from, I think, Upper Arlington, she is the minority leader uh, on the Democratic mm -hmm. side. Uh, she was interviewed and she said that all the Democrats voted for a for, voted for Stevens. It wasn't some grand deal where Stevens gave away the store. She just felt, and the Democrats felt, they could work better with Stevens mm -hmm. than they could with Marin. There is no doubt it would not be a misnomer to label Stevens as a conservative, but Marin is more conservative. Okay. And they felt like, the Democrats felt there was more ground to work with Stevens sure. on some things of, 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 uh, of a bilateral, bipartisan nature. So we'll see what Thank happens. Goodness. Stevens has to mend some fences with some Republicans, but uh, sure. and uh, he has to also, um, you know, work with the Democrats. He said he would. Everybody, when they get elected, say they're going to work together, and oh, then they yeah. don't, of course. So, so, <laughs> so we, we will see what happens. But the big story is we've got another Speaker of the House. We had one, of course, with Ryan Smith, and then you go back uh, to when we were much younger. Vern Reif yes. was the Speaker of the House. He was the New Boston Democrat. He actually represented a corner of Jackson County when Jackson County was split in, in two. And 
when Vern Reif was in there, there was no doubt that money came flowing to Southern Ohio sure. because of his influence. Uh, Jason Stevens will be in position to have that kind of influence as the Speaker of the House. Well, let me ask you this, Pete. So would he continue to be our representative and Speaker of the House? Yes. Or, okay. Yes. He, he, right. he does not. It, it's 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 like a, it's like an extra position that he has. Okay. He continues I, to be the state representative gotcha. okay. and, and all like that. So it's not like that. So you we're know, not now having they, to reappoint somebody. Right, that or, he will pick someone or the Republican okay. caucus will pick someone to to take his place. To be the Speaker of the House, you have to be a member of the House. So, okay. I mean, that, gotcha. that will not change. So anyway, very big news there. Uh, wow. we, we've got a story already online on uh, our website, thetelegramnews.com, and it will be featured on our front page on Saturday. Uh, I did reach out for an interview with Jason Stevens. He has not got back with me yet. You know, he's very cordial about that when those things <clears> come <throat> up. But uh, uh, he has not been interviewed other than the remarks he made on Tuesday, he has not, to my knowledge, been interviewed by any other uh, media persons or, okay. or whatever, as he maybe lets things uh, cool down a little bit. <laughs> don't, don't poke the bear. Right, because, <laughs> right, because the, you, know, you know, some of the Republicans that didn't get, uh, that were in the Marin camp, yeah. they, they, they want to know what deal Stevens made with the dastardly Democrats. Yes, Exactly. All right. So, <laughs> oh, anyway, we will go. We will go from the deep water of politics to politics. the to the to real deep water. Oh no! And that was the flooding, of course, that we had oh, earlier in the week. Man, uh, you know, it's mainly a memory now, but we hope we roll the tape back just two or three days, and it was an issue, uh, and we have some coverage. Red Thompson put his wading boots on. He was up in Vinton County. Uh, Alex Shope and myself were out in Jackson County. And we've got several pictures from the flooding that we're going to share with you. Others will be in the uh, Saturday edition of the paper as well. So, uh, Dylan, as I talk about it, if you can put up the flooding pictures. Oof. Okay, that is pretty bad right there. That is Hunter Road out in Liberty Township, oh my. just off the Beaver Pike. And uh, I, I'm not sure the road was closed there at the time, but see, oh that my. can happen. The water can come up real quickly. And this is a lesson in do not drive through high water because... If you look at that right there, and then of course I know that's just a photo, it's not live, it's kind of hard to tell how deep that water might be. Uh, and uh, Billy Metzler, yeah. I will thank him for that photo. He sent it in after we posted some of our own pictures. But uh, overall, um, there was uh, a lot of roads, uh, highways in Benton County, in fact, that were closed, a number of state routes. For a time in MacArthur, that's South Elementary, uh, just before Hamden, a lot of water up on the road uh, by the school. Yeah. Um, for a while in MacArthur, uh, on three directions, you couldn't get out on Tuesday. Isn't that crazy? I mean, you just don't think that's ever going to happen. Right. Well, State Route 93, there was water up over the road on State Route 93 on the south end of MacArthur. Uh, and then on both ends of 50, there was high water. I'm not sure how close to MacArthur, but fairly close. And so the only clear way out the whole time was you State Route 93 <laughs> to the north, which doesn't help if you want to go south. Right, exactly. Uh, that picture right there is uh, on State Route 93, just south of MacArthur, <clears throat> on the other side of that uh, of that uh, of that blockage there. Uh, there was water standing over the road enough that the uh, ODOT closed that highway for a while. I believe it was closed at least through, through three or four, three or four hours on okay. Saturday. 
but uh, were there any injuries or anything we uh, have related not, we to have that? Not, we have not heard about uh, any situations like that. If some so. people were trapped, I mean, I in, if some people could not get out because of floods, I mean, it did not get into their house. Nobody had to be evacuated okay. or anything like that. That's okay. always a worry too. It is because we don't have. We don't have rivers in Jackson and Vinton counties, but we have creeks, and they come up fast. They may Very go down fast. fast, but they come up fast. Very fast. And, and the water that floods is just as dangerous as if it comes from the high river. Exactly. So uh, anyway, uh, we put this uh, picture in there. That is on State Route 93 at the State Route 683 intersection, just north of Hamden, where, you know, there's that little convenience store along uh, the side yeah. of the road there. Yeah. Okay. You probably can't see that sign well enough to see the writing there, but that sign is not only there to block the highway, it says that there is up to a $1,000 fine for trying to drive past that sign uh -huh. into the high water. I've always wondered why there isn't maybe some teeth in that, because, you know, people drive through there and, the, and you know, sometimes it seems like that the official attitude is, you know, well, that's at your own risk. We had it blocked. Right. Well, Apparently, there must be some provision in the law, okay. or at least if you post it, that you could be fined for doing that. I know here in Jackson, uh, the police have done that from time to time. If a road's blocked and they see somebody just drive through, yeah, they may give them a warning, or you know, they Trying may to save they, you from yourself. They may they may fine them for. I'm not sure what the citation would be, but you know, obviously, wow. the road is closed. You're not supposed to drive on it. Hey, if I see a sign like that says that there's high water, I'm not going past it. Are you? Absolutely not. <laughs> no, Absolutely thank not. you. Every now and then, you know, we hear the horror stories about somebody that had to be rescued yes. or, or possibly worse. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <coughs> and uh, Oh, my. Is that Eddie Jones? That is that is Eddie Jones. Of course, oh, my the, gosh. As we, as, as we fondly call it, the Eddie Jones Marina. Yes. Uh, the Canada geese love it when it happens. They do. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, the water, it, it goes up and goes down there so fast. And, wow. uh, but it is basically a lake. You know, when there's, yeah. when there's so much rain. But I want to give kudos to something, Jennifer. I know that, that you will probably agree with this because you, you like me, you've been around. Remember all the flooding that we used to have in Manpower Park? If you notice. Yes. And we had the, the Christmas trees still up. Absolutely. Yes, the water did come up uh, in that little creek alongside the park. But really... The flood, the park itself did not flood. And the they, they, they road did. always right there by Kroger always would flood too, like right. horribly. Right. They did because of, uh, I'm not sure exact scientifically uh, what they did, but they did do a flood mitigation. Yes. Uh, they did a mitigation, uh, uh, a mitigation project several years ago to try to reduce the flooding on Manpower Park. It's not going to keep the creek from going up. But uh, as far like as the worked. drainage in Manpower Park, yeah. it would be much better. And it, it was because about the same time that Eddie Jones Marina floods, <laughs> the same thing happens in Manpower Park, maybe yep. just a little bit behind. But it was not unusual at all to have, you know, Manpower Park look like a lake, too. Oh, absolutely. And then, you know, you'd try to get in and out of, like I said, the Kroger store. And I mean, that was and it wouldn't have to rain very long before it flooded either. Right. And we so. had. We had probably, according to uh, some of the things I saw on weather reports, and then Bob Swank, who lives out in Liberty Township, mm -hmm. uh, he is the official National Weather Service observer. He still does, you know, his mm -hmm. readings and has all the gauges and all. He did say that in a 24-hour period, we were looking at about two inches of rain. Now, that is a lot That's of a rain. lot of rain. And a lot of it occurred overnight 
to Monday to Tuesday when a lot of us were sleeping and may, may not have realized how much right. it rained continuously. <laughs> but uh, we had the Vinton County schools closing early on Tuesday. They were completely closed on Wednesday. The Oak Hill schools were on a two-hour delay on Wednesday. So anyway, all the flooding coverage uh, we'll have uh, in Saturday's paper. We've got, of course, already posted on our website as well. Yep. All right. Well, let's talk gas prices. Oh, my. It's kind of hard to follow. As a matter of fact, Alex Shope wrote a story yesterday because, you know, they're kind of they're kind of changing a lot as they normally do. And we always yep. wonder why. And we'd like to tell you the reason why, uh-huh. or at least the, what is being stated as I the reason why. I was going to say, what is really the reason? We don't know. Well, any, <laughs> anyway, he wrote a story and gave it to me Thursday afternoon for Saturday's paper. And by the time... Thursday night, late rolled around, and I looked at the websites, and again this morning, it had totally changed. I had to revise the story. But now get this. You know, the gas prices in Jackson largely went up to $335 a couple days ago. They were as low as $291. I saw $291. I'm not sure about Wellston oh, wow. and Oak Hill and MacArthur, but Jackson went up to $335. When Jackson was $291, which was earlier in the week, this is true, I looked up on Gas Buddy. Jackson County had one of the lowest gas prices in the state of Ohio. Well, that never happened. The happens. lowest in our area. Lower okay. than Chillicothe and all those that are usually lower. Wow. Okay. Now we're sitting on Friday morning. Jackson County has the highest gas price in southeastern Ohio and the <laughs> 10th highest gas price in the state of Ohio. What? So, so Jackson County, they all went up. 20 cents or more, but Jackson County, for whatever reason, went up about 44 cents. Mm-hmm. So uh, why? I can answer part of the reason why the gas prices went up uh, in, in general, all right, across the country and okay. in Ohio. Um, the reason uh, was because of um, gas prices spiked because of the December winter storm. The frigid temperatures uh, caused refineries as far south of Texas and the Gulf Coast to to shut down temporarily. So it was a a, a crimp in the supply line from, yeah. from the refineries. That makes sense. Now, what we can't answer is this. Why did they rise so much more in places like Jackson County than they did um, than they did in other places? Remember how we were talking about how Hawking and Pickaway County were so low compared to Jackson County? Mm-hmm. Did you know that when Jackson County was 291, it was lower than Hawking County and, and Pickaway County? Go figure. Go right? figure. You, you, you just don't know why why all this is. But according to Gas Buddy and uh, East Central Ohio, they figure that gas prices may be going down because of fears of a recession. Uh, the supply is building up again, and they think the demand will go down because it's after the holidays and people are worried about money. Okay. So we will see. But there is a rule. <laughs> there, there is a rule of nature. You tell me if I'm wrong. When things happen nationally that uh, cause the gas prices to go up or down, uh-huh. they always go up faster than they come down. Uh, very much so. Right. You are 100% right. So, so gravity, right gravity, <laughs> gravity is screwed up as far yes, as the gas is. prices. All right. Well, let's talk about uh, some of the things going on in our municipalities. You know, the, the end of the, the end of one year and the beginning of one year is a kind of a watershed thing. The towns and the municipalities, the counties, for that matter do their budgets, and they kind of reset. All right. In the city of Jackson, I talked with Jackson Mayor Randy Evans about the budget they just passed. And did you know that the Jackson city budget is $49.7 million a year? I did not know that. $49.7 million. 
Now, there's several reasons why that's much higher than you think. Um, one of the reasons why Jackson City's budget is much higher than a municipality of similar size is the electric department. Yes. Most cities don't have their own electric department. Correct. Jackson's electric department, uh, about $24 million uh, line item there in the budget. That's almost half of the budget. Wow. The Jackson City budget is also up this year versus other years because they have grant-funded projects. They've been fortunate enough to get some grants. They've been fortunate enough to get money from the American Rescue Plan Act. Even though that's not, quote, city money, city generated, it is in the budget because they're going to spend it. Okay. So, you know, what's going on? Hey, that I mean, Rand, Rand, Randy Evans is a, is a, <laughs> Randy Evans is a spending money worker. like crazy. Well, he's very, very concerned about that perception. But the other reason, this is a smaller reason, but this does have to do with city revenue. The city income tax yep. is generating more revenue than they thought. No, I can okay. remember that when the city uh, passed the income tax, of course, there was the first year where they had to get it set up, get the uh, with the regional income mm -hmm. tax agency, mm -hmm. you know, get it all set up paperwork wise. It's going to be a partial year. It you know may take months. They were figuring revenue somewhere over one million dollars, one point two million dollars. They thought would be conservative. OK, well, the uh, projection for the next year, I'm sure this probably is conservative as well is um, $3.8 million. Oh, wow. The income tax was passed in 2020. That was Randy Evans's first year as mayor. Mm -hmm. Remember, he was dubious about whether there should be an income tax when it was on the table as a candidate. But after he served for six months and, you know, the city was in a position where it could not use some of its utility money uh, as they were allowed to before, and he could see that there were needs like the streets and other infrastructure projects. He decided that an income tax was needed. And within six months, he led the charge, yep. got council online, uh, started up a committee, a citizens committee yep. to help pass the tax. And then that very November, first year in office, it passed with some room to spare. Yeah. And it's a five-year deal. It will go five years. And then if they want to keep it, it'll have to be passed again. He was confident that if they put a sunset clause in, meaning that it expires in a certain mm -hmm. time, that people saw what it did, they would be willing to, uh, you know, uh, vote for it again. So we okay. will see what happens. But a lot of the money goes into that paving program. Uh, he, yes. he wants to spend uh, on the paving this year. Um, it, he would like to spend $1.2 million just on street paving. Other monies that come in from the income tax or improvement projects uh, could go through other things, other infrastructure projects. They get a lot of grants to do some of that work, water and sewer lines, but they can all use city money where, you know, the grants require a match or they require engineering and things like that. Also, they can use it for demolition. Randy Evans would even like to, he advocates doing some sidewalk repair, which is still an issue before council because yes. technically the property owner is responsible for sidewalks. Yeah, and that's that's always a sticky situation with sidewalks. Because right, it is. Well, he feels that he feels that it's something that should be done to you know to make the city overall a nicer place to live, certainly a better looking place to live. Yeah, and he feels that there is money in there to do that over time. And if everybody, you know, it'll be a sticky wicket to try to force people to do it. It would certainly be unpopular, mm -hmm. and then. Everybody maybe do it a different way, and you have a patchwork of sidewalks yes. all over the it's, city of Jackson. Yeah. And Whereas if the city engineered it, helped pay for it, or paid for it all, 
and one contractor could do a lot of it and it would be uniform. It would be uniform and right. you know, so, that's kind of what needs to happen. I mean, I that's think. still out there to be decided, but that's how also how the income tax money can be used. You know, and there's a lot of places. I mean, you walk around town and, um, you know, you're walking down a sidewalk and then all of a sudden it just stops. No, that's right. You're yeah. walking through someone's yard and then you pick up the sidewalk on right. the other as, side or whatever. As a walker, like, I've run into that in many places. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes there's a there's a path kind of worn through the grass yes. there where people you know they've had to walk through. Well, and in the weather we've been having though, mm-hmm. it's it's mud. <laughs> it's not good. Well, the city the the city will be deciding. The administration will, I'm sure, with input from council and the public, will decide what paving to do a little bit later in the year. You know, when the weather warms up and yep. they have to do the contracts and all like that. But one of the things that he that Randy has said, <laughs> and this is important. Because there's some other places that have not been paved yet where the streets aren't very good. Randy Evans said that one of the things they have to look at is uh, there is a lot of work going on by the Columbia Gas Company and contractors for the gas company to put in new gas lines. They've particularly been uh, on the west side of town, uh, over there where I live, the southwest town, Uh southwest side. A lot of uh, people live in that residential area. And if they're going to tear up the roads to put in the gas line, why would you pave? Yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Even though they're supposed to restore it, you know, why would you spend the money then? Right. To right. tear it back so up again. So if your street is bad and you feel it should have been paved last year, or you even feel it should have been paved this year, if you've got gas line work that has been done or is scheduled to be done in the next year, it's going to have to be put off sure. until they do the gas line that work. That makes sense. Exactly. And there is, from what I understand, a lot more gas line work to be done, natural gas line pipeline replacement work to be done here in the next year or two gotcha. in the city of Jackson. All right, we go to the village of Oak Hill now. And uh, Oak Hill Mayor Paul McNeil um, talked about where the village stands. It goes into the year. Okay. Um, They are still reaping the benefits of that neighborhood revitalization grant that they got, a multi-million dollar grant. Yeah. A lot of the work from that is still yet to be done. A little bit of street paving, uh, water line replacement in a certain section, replacement of 16 fire hydrants. Uh, All that, uh, they're uh, redoing a... Old tennis court at the uh, at the pool into a pickleball uh, uh, court. Yeah, that would be cute. Right, that that can be, be done. Fun. Yeah, all that all that is still to be done, and that is being done with grant money that didn't cost you know Oak Hill anything. Uh, they were also concerned the village was about keeping up on water and sewer. Uh-huh. Uh, the rates are lower than they than they have than than a lot of their neighboring communities. They did an eight percent raise towards the end of the year. We talked about that before, and so some uh, so some of the money coming in from that will be used to not only maintain the lines but hopefully improve them as well. Good. Uh, one of the things that I've seen happen over the years, and when you've done it for thirty or forty years, like me, you do have some perspective. A lot of administrations kind of say, that's going to be awful costly. We'll worry about that next year. Or we'll worry about that five years down the road. And suddenly, you've got a bunch of water and sewer lines that don't work anymore. Uh, you get you get busted lines. Uh, yes. They don't work right. They're, they're not big enough for adequate sure. water pressure, et cetera. So really, in a lot of our towns, those things are being addressed now, partially because of the administrations that are in place now, and partially because money is available, both inside and outside the municipalities to get work done. But it is happening in Wellston, it's happening in Jackson, and it will be happening in Oak Hill, okay. it appears. So 
uh, in the village of Oak Hill. They also did some pay raises for village employees and police officers to try to maintain uh, the people that they have and also to attract new employees when they need them. All right, in the village of Colton, a lot of things are going on there too as well. A big sanitary sewer line project yeah. is going on. If you drive through Colton, you see a lot of excavation there. And what that's doing is they've always had a sanitary, they've always had a, a sewer plant, but it's kind of strange. In the village, they had septic tanks for <laughs> residents. The village actually owned the septic tanks. So, Oh, wait, really? Yes, the village owned the septic tanks. They were responsible to go in and pump them out, et cetera. Um, oh, I didn't know that. Yes. So now they're going to do, uh, you had some responsibility as the property owner, but the village actually owned the septic tanks. Because the property owners didn't have a choice. Yeah, you have to have I mean, you have to have the sewer service yeah. and whatever. And what they're going to do is now the septic tanks, as a result of this three phase project, they're in the second phase now. Although they started with number one, phase one, now they're on phase three, and the end of it will be phase two. Okay, <laughs> that's a little confusing. But when they get this in place, there will be uh, sanitary sewer lines replacing those septic tanks, and that will go to the sewer. Plant. It okay. will be a very modern system and should be in place for years and years. Well, that will be great. That's good news. Yeah. And that's still going on, and it will be going on for a while in the village of Colton. But the bad news is, and we talked about this, mm -hmm. uh, they, uh, the, the electorate, by a very narrow margin, turned down a current expenses levy uh, in last November's election. It's a five mil it thing. It pays for a lot of things yep. there. And uh, Mayor Kim Milliken, who has said that, Right now, she's not planning to run for re-election this year because she's up. She would like to get things straightened up before, uh, totally before she leaves office. And one of the things is to get that levy passed. So they're going to put the levy on the ballot as soon as they can. I think they're hoping for uh, the, the May primary. Uh -huh. And uh, they hope to do a sales job to get uh, that, uh, that five mil levy on there because it pays for lots of things. Uh, it Road, salt, gravel, coal patch, and fuel. It's basic things that they need. Uh, basically, they could feel that the levy uh, maintained a lot of basic operations in the, in, in the village. They could use it for anything because it was called current expenses. And when you take five mils out of your local budget in property tax, that is a lot. Uh, so that tons. will be something that we'll be watching in the village of Colton. Um, in Vinton County, we're going to roll north up there on 93 now. This happened at a recent commissioner's meeting, and this was, uh, this was a, a, big, uh, a big benefit for the county. Uh, the development director there, they have a development office that reports to the commissioners. Terry Featherhoff does a great job being the development director in Vinton County. She was trying to get money uh, for a project that they think is very important that would involve moving the EMS operation from its current uh, location, State Route 93 north of MacArthur, to right now the vacated old county highway garage in MacArthur. Yes. The highway garage in MacArthur, the county moved out of that to the former state highway garage at Dundas. Mm -hmm. That's because ODOT built a new garage north of MacArthur. So, so the county, <laughs> the county moved into the state that left the old county site, the highway garage empty. Okay. So it's county owned and everything. And they think that would be great to convert that to EMS. It'll take some money. So they obviously need some grant money. Uh, Terry Featherhoff thinks that they can get a CDBG money maybe to do that, or at least they can ask for it. Okay. But Vinton County can be in a favorable position to get money 
if they are designated as a low to moderate income community, meaning if they can show that uh, the majority, a certain percentage of residents are low to moderate income, it puts you on a higher level to get money. She had to do a survey and a bunch of legwork, paperwork to do that. Okay. But it's happened. Good. They are considered a low to moderate income community. I would say or county. so. Yes. So they are now in position to where she can apply for the money. She'll have to, you know, they'll have to receive it and then they'll have to do the work and all like that. But that was a major preparatory step to be able to make that happen. Okay. So that's one of yeah. the things happening uh, in Vinton County. All right, this affects everybody in the state. And just because it's state doesn't mean it's not local because it applies to us. And this is a very <clears throat> important topic. I'm sure that when uh, our patrol folks have been here talking, yes. you know, Commander Morgan has been here. I know yes. a couple of times to talk in troopers as well. Not Captain Morgan, Lieutenant Morgan, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> James. <laughs> right. Yeah, he, he, he's the top guy, okay, at the, at the Jackson at the Jackson. No, we, Post. Love, we love Lieutenant right. Morgan. He's Distracted great. driving. Yes. They have changed the state law on that. And yeah. we're, we're going to have an article. We hope we can squeeze it into this paper. I will have it online as well. You need to understand it. We cover local news, and we're always going to be dedicated to that. But the most important things that happen well, at the state level that, that This really to you, affects everybody. You, you really do. Distracted driving, the laws are going to be changing as a result of a bill that the governor just signed, and he was publicizing what it means. Mm -hmm. And uh, what it means is that it significantly strengthens the laws in Ohio related to the use of cell phones and other electronic devices while you're driving. Now, we all know how dangerous this is. We also realize that probably there's accidents, wrecks that occur because of time. it that you never know. Yep. That's because they occurred. Someone's down there working on their phone. They don't have their eyes on the road or That's whatever. Right. Uh, you know, just think about it. Uh, those of us with iPhones and smartphones and all like that, we have it in our hands all the time. Yep. You know, we use it for communication and, and all like that. And some people treat it that way when they're driving. They may not have it set up so it's hands-free or whatever, and they feel they can't wait. They get a call or whatever. they got to make a call. They don't pull over. They try to do two things at once. Yep. Cause, all right. Yep. Because well, we're all capable of, you know, texting and driving. Well, not this, at all. <laughs> this is, these are the provisions. All right. So you okay. want to listen up on this. Don't do it. It designates the use of cell phones and other electronic communication devices while driving as a primary traffic offense. That means that if a... Law enforcement officer sees you doing this, they can pull you over and arrest and charge you. Before they couldn't do it unless it was a secondary offense, meaning that they pulled you over for some other reason. And then they realized, like you ran a stop sign while you were texting, right? And it, and it's not like you're going. I don't think you're going to keep doing it when you see you're getting pulled over, right? Uh, pretty much no. That's how the seatbelt law used to be when it started out. It was a secondary offense. They couldn't pull you over. Uh, if you weren't, if they knew you weren't wearing your seatbelt just for that reason, oh. that had to be, they pulled you over. Some, oh, you're not wearing your seatbelt. Well, I'm going to get you for that too. Gotcha. So that is a primary offense, the seatbelt. And now the distracted driving is a primary traffic offense for all drivers, just not teenagers. They kind of, um, they kind of discriminated against teenagers they in did. the existing law. They, they stuck it to them as a primary offense, but adults, you know, they well, gave them. Well, now all the teenagers that they started with are adults now, so. <laughs> And they still haven't learned yet. Right. It, so, uh, so we have to legislate this. As a primary offense, it allows law enforcement to immediately pull over a distracted driver upon witnessing a violation. Under the previous law, distracted driving was a primary offense only for juvenile drivers. This prevented officers <laughs> from stopping adult distracted drivers 
unless those drivers also committed a separate primary traffic violation, such as speeding or running a red light, or et cetera. Right. And, and you wonder, uh, you know, it, do have we got a juvenile here? Does we not have a juvenile? Here? Everybody doesn't look the same. And so does a high, did a highway patrol trooper or a policeman or a sheriff's deputy have to look at someone and decide whether they were 18 years old I, or not? Yeah, I don't know. You know, be the old carnival guy. I, yeah. I'm, I'm going to guess your age. It, it was just fouled up. I never did understand if it was concerned why it had to be just a secondary offense myself. Yeah. So does that include, I mean, just talking on your phone while you're driving? Well, uh, that seems a little under, under the new law. Here's a little bit more on the specifics. A driver may still use their device in specific circumstances, such as when their vehicle is parked or stopped at a red light. So that's interesting. You can do it stopped at a red light. Drivers are also oh, great. So everybody just sits <laughs> through their red light while they're texting. The okay. Well, all right. You're, you're thinking about all the, all the problems. <laughs> Drivers are also permitted to swipe their phones to answer a call and to hold their phones to their ears during phone conversations. Okay. Emergency calls will also be permitted. Well, so, so, so. You know, well, so that opens up the Pandora's box. It's an emergency. I had to order that pizza. <laughs> right. Well, what is an emergency and what if somebody lies? But, you know, we're making progress, though. We're making don't pro- you understand how we're hungry I am? <laughs> I don't know how they know this. They know that distracted driving violations are underreported. However, the Highway Patrol reports there have been at least 73,945 distracted driving crashes in Ohio since 2017, including 2,186 that resulted in fatalities yeah, or serious that's injuries. That's not okay. And, and we believe that that is the case. So, Oh, it's, it's way worse well, than that, i remember sure. Dom Tiberi's daughter yes. died, and he has been very out front very on, much on that, so. and that was determined to be, and I... I don't know whether she was driving with anyone when she was killed, but she ran into the back of another vehicle. They have determined that she was on a yes. cell phone then. Yep. And so he has gone on a campaign. Give him a lot of credit for being willing to, yeah. to do that. Well, and, you know, it takes somebody with a voice like that that, you know, can can bring it to the light. And yeah, I'm he's sure using he's using he's using his, his platform, as, his platform and his celebrity. And, and you to, know, to I guess try to you, make change. you have to think if anything good could come out of a tragedy like losing a, a child, mm-hmm. you would want to to pay that forward. So, yeah, I, I know he's doing a good job with that. OK. Uh, speaking of the highway, if you were out as Red Thompson Jr. was late at night in Pike County <clears throat> on Tuesday night, you had trouble getting through because of a fatality-related wreck that occurred not too far from the Jackson County line. It was on State Route 32 near the Germany Road Tipton Lane area Okay. Uh, before you get to Piketon if you're driving west on the highway there. But this was a scary one, and it did result in a death. Um, a backhoe was out on the highway, and this was at night. This is 10.50 p.m., and a pickup truck came up behind it and ran into the back of the backhoe. The pickup truck ran off the highway after crashing into the back of the backhoe, and that's bad enough, but it caught fire. And the driver of that vehicle, uh, who was 66-year-old Hal Smith of Piketon, died on the scene as a result of that wreck. But that was a, once again, a wreck where that involved, uh, you know, a big piece of equipment out on the road. I presume that it was lighted and everything, but probably going slower than typical traffic. And the pickup truck ran into the back of it there on that oh, on that four lane highway. Uh, the uh, 
the driver was uh, Smith was declared dead at the scene. The driver of the backhoe had minor injuries. Okay. But anyway, that blocked that road for several hours that night, at least in one direction. All right. We want to remind uh, everybody, you know, we talked about the fact that the Republican Party's Central Committee is going to name a new prosecutor to fill the unexpired term of yes. Justin Lovett, who, of course, uh, towards the very end of the year, announced his uh, intention to resign mm -hmm. effective today, at the end of the day, as a matter of fact. He is leaving to accept a job in state government. Next Friday at 6.30 p.m., the Jackson County Republican Central Committee will meet uh, to uh, pick somebody to fill the unexpired term. We expect Randy Dupree, uh, who uh, is a uh, the Wellston City Law Director and uh, also an Assistant uh, Prosecuting Attorney in Gallia County, to probably seek that appointment along with Gene Meadows, who is a public defender, well-known public defender. He ran against Justin Lovett unsuccessfully mm -hmm. in the last election in 2020. Now, officially, we don't know whether they're candidates or not, but they showed up at the first commissioner's meeting when they made a temporary appointment of Colleen Williams yes. to serve until the Republican Party could make the, the selection. So we expect those two gentlemen to be candidates for prosecutor, <clears throat> and there could be others as well. Yeah, I mean, it will a... not be Colleen Williams, uh, who already works in the office as the assistant um, prosecuting attorney. She is from Meigs County, which would disqualify her. You right. have to be from Jackson County. Plus, she says she's not interested in anyway. Yeah. Um, what are what are the qualifications of that? You know, I Do can't you know? I, I can't recite for sure, but I am guessing. Uh, of course, Obviously, you have to be an attorney, I would say. <laughs> yeah, you have to you have to be an attorney. Uh, and then I, I don't think there are any uh, special qualifications beyond that. I mean, other than obviously being a registered voter mm -hmm. and being from Jackson County. I don't think, for instance, you have to have a certain amount of law experience or whatever. They leave it up to the public on well, who ought to be the prosecutor. The thing is with with the prosecutor is, you, you know, you, it's an administrative job mm -hmm. uh, as well. So you have to be able to run the office plus prosecute cases and do all of that. So you have to do all the attorney stuff plus be a business person. But you have to be able to you're you're, you're <laughs> right. You have to be the administrator, run the office or have somebody you maybe do that for you. You know, it can Correct. depending on how you sit up in a small county, obviously you have to you have to kind do, do everything. You kind of have to do a lot, and you're certainly at the very top responsible for that. Yes. Okay, that meeting is 6.30 p.m. next Friday at the Jackson County Republican Party headquarters, which is where the old American Legion used to be. So let's tell everybody about that, because okay. I've had so many people say, where is the Republican headquarters? Because it's not in downtown, and everyone's no. driving around town looking for it. Right. Yeah, it is uh, at 185 Morton Street, which I believe is just right outside the corporation line. Mm -hmm. People say it's Jackson, but technically it's maybe a few hundred yards so out. So kind of like out there by the glass garage, if you know where it, that is. <laughs> it, it, it's almost straight across the highway yeah. from the glass garage. That's State Route 93 Morton Street, yes. if you're in the city of Jackson. And it does have a the Morton, road to Colton. It does have a Morton Street address there. Yeah. It sets up there on the hill on the left. Uh, the Republican Party uh, announced some time ago that they're in the process of purchasing it from the Legion and they're raising money internally and from donors to help pay for it over time. Gotcha. So uh, at that same uh, time, the executive committee, which is not exactly the same as the central committee, they're going to also meet at 630 that night to appoint an elections board member to serve the next four years. This is not a uh, 
vacancy that resulted because of a resignation. It's because a term has ended. Yes. And the person that holds that position now is Kaida Newell, who is okay. a Jackson <laughs> resident. Do not know whether uh, she is running uh, for the reappointment or not, okay. but uh, it's open to her and any other qualified person, which means you're from Jackson County, you're a registered Republican, and I think that's probably it. As long as I would you're, say you're, so, you're yeah. 18 years old, an elector, which means that you're a registered voter, yep. and uh, county residency. So both of those meetings will take place that night. So, so next Friday, next Friday, a week from today, a, a week from tonight, uh, we will know who the new prosecutor is for the last two years of Justin Lovett's term. And we will also know who is going to be one of the two Republican members of the boards of elections for the next four years. Okay. That term for the elections board members is starts March the 1st and it runs for four years. They're staggered. Uh, two years from now, another Republican member will be picked. Same thing for the Democrats. They have to pick a board member this year before March 1st, and they will do it also gotcha. for the other position two years from now. A total of four members on the Board of Elections, two Democrats, two Republicans. Mm -hmm. And that's how they also split up. That's also how they split up the uh, director and deputy director. One's a Democrat, yes. one is a Republican. It's bipartisan yep, absolutely. All, all the way through, and which is a good system. You know, everybody it can is. watch everybody if you know, people think about playing politics. Yeah. And I mean, the good thing is that, you know, with the board of, board of elections, you hope that your director and deputy director, sometimes they flip flop because of, of the power of the governor. But, um, I, I think that mostly people don't think of them as Republican and Democrat. They just work together and that's a great thing. Right. And that's how it should be. No, that's how it should be because everybody should be for fair, honest and open elections, no matter who gets elected, whether you like it or not. I mean, I'll be honest with you, you know, when Cheryl and was it Joanne mm -hmm. were there, I, I couldn't tell you which one was which, to be honest with you. Like I, I think because I just went the, and talked to whichever one that I saw first. Those, and, those two ladies work together very well. Yeah. And you certainly don't want to have an adversarial situation because of your party label no, or not whatever. At all. And, and I haven't really seen that to be the case locally. This prosecutor thing really fascinates me. I'm, I'm interested to know I mean, it just seems like such a big, huge position to to be well, able, to, to have somebody just appointed. It is, it is to. yeah, it is so responsible because I you mean, I mean think, think of what you're doing there. You're making a lot of people unhappy when you're the prosecutor. Oh, Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, nobody's happy. I mean, you're to talking be about you're talking about, about felony me. cases. You're the one filing the charge. You're responsible for seeking the penalties or whatever they are. And, and these are people who allegedly have done something wrong already, maybe violent things. Yes. Uh, Drug-related like, drug things. Why isn't my case being heard? Or why are you not doing this fast enough? And, you know. Well, and then we hear this from the public. I can't believe that that's all that person got when yes. they did that. So, you know, you have that coming from the other side. Yeah. And you I have mean, law, enforcement, you have law enforcement officers that may not agree with the charges that the prosecutor gives or, or what cases they take to court or they don't. Yeah. I mean, the longer you're in office, obviously, the more people you're going to upset. So, yeah, it's a tough position. And um, it's just going to be interesting to see who's chosen. Right. Uh, it's certainly, for that. certainly a very, very, very important position in the criminal yeah. justice process. You're not kidding. All right. Um, Next week will be a big meeting for the public affairs. Um, uh, some meetings happen this, the way it works in our two counties the second week of the month. But the school boards, because this is a state law, they have to do their reorganization meeting within the first 15 days of the month. 
So okay. some of the school boards that normally meet later in the month, they schedule earlier to get that out of the way. Gotcha. They have to do the organizational thing where they pick officers, so they may as well just do their regular business. Right. So next week, we'll have all four of our school boards meeting, and we're going to be at every one of those meetings. Okay. We've got, um, we've got uh, uh, council meetings and commissioners meetings as well, the first ones of the year. We're going to try to spread ourselves out and get to all those meetings. So next week, you know, we'll be Oof. talking about some of the things that happen there. And sometimes it's it's a very newsy start of the year, mm -hmm. you know, when they readjust and they they start out. So we'll be following all those meetings. Um, okay. There was actually Wellston City Council met last night. Jeremiah Shaver was there. Perhaps on Monday we'll get a report uh, on that. But so uh, the first of the year meetings, uh, we will be covering that. We're dedicated to covering the public affairs meetings. Our goal, my goal with the with the staff doing a lot of the work is to be at every one of those meetings. We want we don't want to miss a school board meeting. We don't want to miss a city or village council meeting. How are you going to be in all those places at one meeting. time? Well, sometimes <laughs> it's hard. I mean, we have one night next week where I think there's four things going on. I'll bet. Yeah, that usually doesn't happen, but it, it, it can happen. <laughs> Thank and then, God for a wonderful And then what if there's staff. a basketball game we're supposed to broadcast? <laughs> Pete's like, I don't know. How am I going to do all this? We'll, we'll figure it out. We do want to say this at the request of the Jackson County Common Police Court. When they have a trial, Jennifer, um, they have to make sure they have plenty of possible jurors because some jurors, you know, may be rejected for different yes. reasons. They, you know, they, they know the people involved or whatever, or the attorneys involved, both defense and prosecutor may be uncomfortable with that person when they interview them. Sure. But they were supposed to have a jury trial Monday in Jackson County Common Police Court. I don't know how many jurors were called, but sometimes, I mean, it can be like 30, 40, 50. Oh, a lot. Well, a lot of times they get canceled or postponed at the last minute. That happened yesterday. Okay. There's a jury trial on Monday where there was supposed to be in Jackson County Common Police Court. People uh, who are were prospective jurors didn't mean they were going to be picked. Didn't mean they were going to be needed, but you, you had to show up. You have to show you up. You got to show up. Uh-huh. Well, they didn't have time to mail letters out. They went electronic. They asked for our help through the TV, the radio, and the newspaper, our website, Facebook, to let people know that trial isn't happening. Okay. So if you received the letter and were uh, mm -hmm. commanded to appear at the Common Police Court on Monday morning to to report their possible jury duty, you're off the hook. All right. So this is a true funny story. It's not really funny, but I mean, the judge didn't think it was funny. So I got called to jury duty. What was that last year, James? About a year ago. <laughs> So, and it was one of those where typically they do get canceled. Well, this one didn't get canceled. So we all show up and we're all sitting there and, and judge Regan's like, um, called the council over and you know, whatever. And so we're all waiting patiently and he comes back out and he says, well, <laughs> this is unique. Um, the defendant hasn't shown up. <laughs> that's a, that's a, that's something he needs, right? his trial. He didn't show up to his trial. That's ha that's happened before. So he had he let us all go. He was like, he's not here. Like, and so I just happened to run into the judge a little bit later in the week, and I said, "Where did you find the defendant?" He said, "Yep." I said, "He's in jail, isn't he?" He said, "Yep." <laughs> you don't not show up for your trial. Not okay. <laughs> no, no, I, I don't. I don't think you want to tweak the nose of the judge. No, but that was Anywhere. how. That was my one jury thing that happened i couldn't believe it I, you know you're sitting there and he's like what everybody go home yeah exactly <laughs> oh my okay well let's go let's go from um let's go from the courtroom to nature 
Uh, and we're going to, well, we, I've got an article going in uh, Saturday. Actually, I kind of made it a personal column type thing. So I had a little bit more latitude in how I reported it. But did you know that there are buzzards roosting in Jackson County? Ugh. Yeah. Do you remember when there was a bunch of black vultures? It's really not buzzards. Black vultures is what they are. Roosting down along Dickinson Street a couple years ago. No, you remember I don't, that? No. Oh my gosh. In those trees there. Uh, Ew. <laughs> in those trees there that are on the other side of the high school track. Okay. They're on, they're on Dickinson Street. Okay. Okay. I'm okay. trying to, I was trying to think what Dickinson was. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. Dick, Dickinson it. Street, you know, goes down to the pool and hits your yes. street and like that. Yeah. There was probably 100 or more buzzards that would roost there early in the morning and oh. late at night. It caused quite a stir because they're big. And then you, you would see them flying during the day. Ew. You know, circling downtown. Oh, remember? There, is that okay. Those buzzards are, have invaded Ridgewood Cemetery in Wellston. They are on the T.J. Morgan Mausoleum, and they like it. Uh, you are, <laughs> you're kidding. No, no. And I'm not sure how many other buzzards there are in the cemetery. Like, do they have a buzzard vote? Like, everybody raise your wing if you want to go hang out at the cemetery. Like, right. how well, do they do that? Well, I, you know, there's only so many deer killed along the highway. I'm not sure what they did. The buzzards were real bad two or three years ago. And then I didn't see, really see them a couple years ago. It's Ugh. called a winter roost which means that they kind of hang around in the winter for some reason. They're migratory birds, okay? They're at Wellston. They were down on Dickinson Street. When I drove by last night, I didn't see nary a one. Okay. So I don't know whether, you know, they took a little hiatus or whatever, but they were there last week and the week before that. Ugh. They've also been seen in the Colt ew, Cemetery. Ew. Oh. That is a close-up. I've, <laughs> I've seen trees with literally 100 of those things in it. You're before. kidding. This year? Not not this year, but within the last right. you know, that is three, the, four years. That is a black vulture, which is the smaller cousin of the turkey vulture, which looks like the black vulture, only it's bigger and it's got a head like a turkey. That's how you tell. Uh-huh. Black vultures are aggressive. That's why some oh. people are worried about their presence. They have been known to kill calves and kill small animals. Are you kidding? No, they can be aggressive. I mean, carrion is their main is their main uh, food source. But they have been known to attack cattle. And I know that the Jackson County Farmers Club has a meeting later this month. Oh. And they are trying to get a speaker to talk about nuisance animals. And black vultures are one of them. So are they endangered? Are they protected? Well, here's the thing. There's, well, there's, yes, there's plenty of black vultures around. James would know so, about the bird laws. <laughs> so, so there, yeah, I bet you hadn't been at your feeder, though, have they? Okay. Okay. They, they Dude, are, if you get one of those on your camera, we're going to make a lot of money off that. That's a turkey vulture there. See the head? Ugh. It's a little bit different. And it's yeah. bigger. But Ooh. if a black vulture and a turkey vulture meet up, forget it. The black vulture prevails. It's a mean, really? it's a mean cuss. Okay. The turkey vulture is a little bit more laid back. They'll take off if a black vulture comes in. The black vultures are smaller. The, the black vulture is a migratory bird that is uh, that is protected by a 2018 Act of Congress. And I looked, oh, at, I looked this up. If you, ki- if you kill a black vulture, because I need to say this because, you know, they're also considered nuisances and they might go after a calf. Could be a $100,000 fine. I'm not sure that would really happen, what? but it's on, it's on the books. <laughs> no. It's a migratory bird and you do not do it. So, so what happens if they like completely take over an area and like well really cause havoc? Sometimes you can get them to, to. I mean, they're not aggressive towards humans unless you're dead. If you're dead, they might be aggressive towards you. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> 
you know, natural food source there. Right. But, 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 but anyway, when they were here three years ago, it got talked about at Jackson City Council because I was covering it. What are we going to do about these birds flying around Dixon Street and then they fly around town way up in the air, but you see them there. You think something's dead down on Main Street or something. Yeah. I don't know what they're eating, uh, you know, all of them. But I guess that they have been accused of getting in garbage. You know, that's a secondary place that they go if they don't I find. Mean, I guess that would make if they, sense. If they, if they don't they're, find roadkill. But for... I never heard of one incident, one incident uh negative involving the buzzards other than the fact that they're there and considered a possible threat. No livestock incidents or whatever, but it is on record that it has happened in other places with, uh, with, with young livestock, particularly calves. And a lot of times they may be born out in a field or whatever where, you know, well, and they're, they're helpless. Out there. They're, they're helpless out there. What, so, um, so when do they leave? <laughs> do they leave soon? When the weather warms up, they take off. I don't know where they go, but they, they, they have what they call winter roosts. And, uh, why don't they go roost somewhere else? I don't know. I don't know why they like Dick. They might have, they might be gone from Dickinson Street and they're in the cemetery now in Wellston. I don't know, but they have been at Dickinson Street this year as well. Uh, I'd say 30 of them I saw at one time, and some of them were down by the road. You could get a closer look at them. Almost had James come over and take their picture with one of these long lenses, you know? Yeah, but they were gone the last time I looked, though. <sighs> but anyway. Uh, I wrote about that in a column in Saturday's paper because I thought it was interesting. And it when is. I saw the Wellston Historical Association post that picture, does that bring up, does that eerie looking, does that bring up I, visions of Alfred Hitchcock? Yes, 100%. <laughs> and, and those were crows that scared Ooh. the hell out of you. Then these, these buzzards are a lot bigger than that. <laughs> oh, I'll pass. I'm good. So anyway, I didn't quite make it to basketball. But remember, the total media with through the radio stations yes. will be uh, lots of basketball uh, we do all the home boys games through our four schools in Jackson and Vinton counties, and we do a lot of the girls' home games as well. You do. And a uh, busy schedule this week, and uh, we'll be back at it tonight. Uh, last night, just to get you caught up, uh, the Jackson Iron Ladies lost only their second game of the year, 58-56 oh, to 56 to Frankfurt Adina. Ooh, that was on the road. Wellston lost at home to Athens, 41-33. to 33. Todd Compton was there. Brock Netter went all the way to Adina to cover the Jackson girls. The Vinton County girls lost a close one to uh, River Valley last night, and the Oak Hill girls lost down uh, to Minf to Minford. Not a good basketball not, not night. Not a good night, but we're there, win or lose. That's right. To um, as many of the games as we can get to. And y'all do a fantastic job. Well, uh, we, we 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 like the sports, and that's part of what we try to do. That's right. Usually, it's good news. <laughs> and the best thing about basketball is, if you lose, you're probably going to play in the next. Couple I was, nights anyway. You have time to redeem yourself, you know, really, pretty quickly. Really quickly, yeah, exactly. You're right. And basketball is very back and forth, mm -hmm. you know. Yes, so it is. It's good. Well, Pete, it's always so fun to spend the morning with you. Thank you for coming in All and right. uh, have a wonderful weekend. Right. Uh, buzzards, politics, <laughs> basketball. We covered the gamut of okay, it, right? Yes, yes. We, we, we will. We try. And I know there's a lot out there I don't know about. <laughs> well, everyone, thank you so much for tuning in. We greatly appreciate Appreciate it. And we will see you right back here on Monday, maybe with some more news. You never know. All right. So until then, be safe. Uh, have a wonderful weekend. Stay off your cell phones while you're driving. Bye, everybody. <laughs> this just in. The Telegram News has a new website. TheTelegramNews.com.
Same dedicated coverage. Same trustworthy news with a brand new look. Covering Jackson and Benton County since surrounding areas. Locally owned and operated, the telegramnews.com has its finger on the pulse of the community. Stay up to date on local events, high school sports, and breaking news. The telegramnews.com. Subscribe today at the telegramnews.com. Check it out. <laughs> 